Hi, Kat. Good to have you on the podcast. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. So uh, could you please tell us, uh, uh, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, my name is Katerina Vanderham. I was born and raised in Slovakia. Uh, back then it was Czechoslovakia. And I've been in the United States for the past 22 years. Um, and to summarize, my life is very complicated because I've gone through so many phases uh, of life. And I've experienced so much and I feel like I've lived already probably like four lives that people don't get to live throughout their lifetime. So, you know, I would probably just uh, mention that I am a publisher. I'm a former model. Uh, I still act, but I don't consider myself as an actress, actress, because I don't necessarily pursue acting. But it just somehow because I'm in Los Angeles, acting comes to me. And also from the connections from my modeling uh, industry back then. So, you know, it's just somehow these jobs find me here and there. But I would consider myself as a publisher, beauty expert, um, and, you know, former model. Got it. So um, today I really want to talk with you about your magazine and how you built your brand and how you like um, created like success in your life and in your business and so on and so forth. But before we get into that, could you please share with us like a little bit more about your backstory? Because you're like you were like super, super successful as a model and you've done a million different things in your life. Like you've said, you, you have the feeling that you already lived like four, uh, four lives already. So um, could you please share with us like a little bit more about your backstory bef be 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 before we get started and talk about like everything that is happening right now in, in, in your life? Sure. You know, I, I was a very happy child and um, it was 1990 when I went to high school. So that was right after the Velvet Revolution when the Iron Curtain went down. And, you know, the, the gates opened up to the Western world and I was a teenager and everything seemed to me so flashy and glitzy and glamorous and colorful. So um, I consider myself kind of lucky to live my teenage years through the early 90s in Europe because it was very exciting. It was just unknown. And, you know, when you're young, you just don't know what's going to happen and you kind of like it. So... After high school, I tried to transition to a different major. I studied business and marketing. Um, uh, and How then come? I. How come? You know what? I've always loved marketing somehow naturally. Uh, I'm very visual. And even when I was in high school, um, uh, we had these experts that came to our school to kind of test some of the kids to determine what you should study or help you to decide what you should study. Or And you were studying in, in, in Europe? Uh, I, yeah, in and, Slovakia, and, yes. Ah, okay, in Slovakia. Okay, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. And, you know, like you, you, after high school, you're supposed to go to like a college, university or something, right? So, so these experts came to our school and, and I signed up and they ran all kinds of tests on me and they said I should be a movie director, And I, I just remember laughing. I'm like, you know, we just kind of got out of the old system. Uh, who is a movie director in Slovakia, you know? And they just told me, and I remember that I am extremely visual, that I have extremely well-developed three-dimensional vision. And I had no idea what that means, but I found out later in life what that means. So, you know, 
I guess the marketing is kind of part of it because I'm very visual and I see colors and I understand uh, the uh, impact of colors and textures and and shapes and stuff like that. So I think I naturally was um, leaning towards studying marketing and I ended up working for a French company in Slovakia for four years, um, somewhat in, a, in the office slash marketing. You know, back then you just had to kind of do everything. When the company was going under, um, you know, I just couldn't see myself working anywhere else because my job was pretty cool. It was pretty well paid. I also worked as a promotional model for Philip Morris. So I was on the Marlboro team and it was very exciting for the past couple of years. So my early 20s were super exciting. And um, I, I, I just loved the whole Western influence and, and American lifestyle seemed to me very fun compared to uh, the culture back home, I would say, you know, people are very structured and you need to go to school, then you have to get the job and you're going to be in that job. Have and, a and did you have like, a, did you have like a strict upbringing? Because um, I have like a lot of friends that are from Eastern Europe, like one of my best friends, he's from the Ukraine, for instance, and another one he's from Romania. And um, I've dated a girl who was also from Slovakia um, for, for a couple of months. Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know and I know that a lot of uh, my Eastern European friends, they have they tend to have like strict parents, traditional parents. Um, how were your parents? I was very lucky and I'm still very lucky because my parents gave me all the freedom I wanted. Of course, they didn't like it, but I put my foot down. <laughs> but but you know, I want to I want to I want to encourage everyone to kind of do it because because they gave me the freedom to think for myself to make decisions for myself, to really figure out who I want to become in life. They didn't put any restrictions on me. Of course, they didn't like when I was wearing a miniskirt, you know, at age 16 and, and guys were looking at me and stuff like that. But that was a fashion back then. Everybody was wearing miniskirts. It wasn't like I'm different. But because my parents gave me that time and, and, and freedom to be whoever I wanted to be, I did become the person I wanted to become. And I'm very grateful for it. So, and I think because they let me also dream, I was able to dream big and I was able to manifest my dreams into reality. And I was able to, to, to live my life exactly how I envision, you could say. So, you know, because my parents are so wonderful and I love them and they're back home, uh, I, I believe because of them, I am here because they weren't like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know? Like I said, of course, they, they, didn't. Say they, they were like traditional, but um, they still allowed you to have like all the freedom that you wanted to have. Yes, I think my big advantage was that my father was uh, living in the West for about 15 years when he was young. He was at the Navy and he sailed through Germany and Austria and other Western countries. So I think he was more open minded. And me growing up in that family, I just loved looking through his photo albums and he had these amazing photos of fun times with people he worked with, with girls and, and just traveling and doing fun stuff that none of my girlfriends in Slovakia had. Like none of their parents had these experiences. And all I remembered with all due respect, uh, you know, none of my girlfriends had those parents or dad who would have that big smile like my dad did. You know, when, when I came to visit, they would be very frowny and just like, hi. 
and that's it. When they came to visit me, my dad would be, hey, welcome. Oh, my gosh, look how good you look. You know, like very, very kind of nice and positive, uplifted personality. So looking through over and over and my dad would be sharing his stories and I kind of wanted those stories. So he let me have those stories and, and create those memories. And my mom kind of poor thing didn't have a choice, you know, like she knew I'm kind of <laughs> like my dad. She knew I got his genetics. So she kind of let me let me do it, you know. So so so, you know, having this free spirit, um, you could say, you know, when when the company was going under, when I after, you know, I was working there for four years, I just saw myself going to America. I wanted to see that life if it's really true what we see on TV is it the way it is in real life or is it just TV? Because I felt women wearing makeup are accepted there. Whereas when I wore makeup in Slovakia, you know, people would call me names. They would think I'm going to end up on the street as a, as a hoe and all kinds and of. And, and you were living in a village or were you like living in a big city? Or? I'm from a village, but I worked and lived for a couple of years in a big city. So I think Back then, the mentality kind of was the same in both places because people would be, you know, making jokes and kind of putting you down all the time just simply because you like certain style. I liked having my eye makeup on and that should be okay. None of anyone's business. So I felt I can't grow back home as much because things that were to me so, so normal, I could say, like, how come anyone cares what makeup I wear like it has nothing to do with them I'm not hurting anyone like seem like these basic things many people can't even comprehend and to me they were like normal so you know I just really couldn't see myself going to the next level in Slovakia there was no group of people I would want to associate myself with we had lots of mafia back then um, in the 90s in Slovakia and um, many companies they were trying to you know, grow and, and and start up like private sector and they were failing one after another one because the mindset of people after communism wasn't like you just flip a switch, right? Everybody's mm. used to socialism yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, we have capitalism overnight. So yeah, let's be a good business uh, entrepreneurs, you know? So I knew it's going to take some time and years and years for the country to adjust to more uh, capitalistic ways. But, you know, I just didn't want to spend my uh, best years, at least you think uh, when you're in your 20s that those are your best years, right? I didn't want to spend them uh, being held back. So I decided to leave and I went to America. I was one of a and few... I think, and I think this is like a great takeaway for everyone who is listening to this because um, I think um, this also applies to a lot of people that might be listening to this who are surrounded by people who are holding them back. Maybe they mm -hmm. they still live uh, with their parents or they um, live with a couple of friends and all of their friends say um, aren't, aren't really ambitious and they don't really want to get nowhere in life and they don't have big goals. And I think it's so crucial for everyone who is listening to this to really recognize if you have a bad uh, if you have bad surroundings um, that it's so important to 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 change 
your environment because I deeply believe that eventually uh, we become our environment. Like I can see like countless of examples in other people's lives. I can, can see countless of examples, unfortunately, in my own life where when I read, uh, watched like the wrong like videos and listened to the wrong podcast, uh, surrounded myself with the wrong people, I wasn't nearly as successful as I am now. So um, I think this is like so, so important that you have to change your environment if you really want to grow and if you really want to achieve your goals. And it's very hard because uh, many times these people around you don't mean uh, harm, right? Like they, they want the best for you. They're good people. They just don't know any better. Yeah. You know, uh, how many times, you know, when I was drinking uh, uh, soda, I would be told, why don't you have coffee? When I did this, why don't you do that? When, when, when I wear pants, why don't you wear dress? And it's this nonsense back and forth uh, mentality where it doesn't matter, but just people always yeah. feel the need to say, why don't you do this? Like they, they want to dictate or something. And I know they mean well. Your yeah. par parents mean well. Everybody means well pretty much, but, but it's just, you just, it's very hard to move forward in that environment. And as much as I miss my mom and dad because they are the best people in the world, I wouldn't be, you know. Yeah. And, go ahead. And uh, I always like to say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I think. Um, uh, I also think that most people, they really do have good intentions. But what I found out is um, that I think the other person knows best what's best for them, not me. And I think um, a lot of people have this backwards. They think they, they know what this person needs to do in their life. They know what career they should have and what, what partner they should have. And like, man, like to each, to, uh, to each, uh, uh, to each his own, basically, so. Yes, and I think those types of people, I think they should own a business because it seems like those people like to dictate, they like to manage, <laughs> they like to tell what to do. And I really find those personalities to to be suitable for being a business owner, you know, if you want to have things your way, yeah. pretty much, you know. But but in um, if, if it comes to family and friendship, it's very difficult, yes. True. So what happens then? You move to the U.S.? So, um, like I mentioned, I was one of a very few who got to leave uh, and come to America during those years because, you know, it was extremely difficult to, to obtain visa. In the 90s, everybody was trying to leave and everybody wanted to go to America and, and everyone's visa would be denied one after another, years after years, over and over. But because I worked for a French company, I was lucky because I was able to uh, to be sent on a business trip. So I got to leave and I came to America and I was able to establish myself years later because of that. But um, when I came here, you know, I came with $500. And that was lots of money back then because when I converted the Slovak crown to American dollars, like, you know, my whole family had to put money together. So I have $500. And, you know, no idea of what the prices are because the Internet wasn't around as much. Uh, when I was um, researching some information, I had to go to a coffee shop where I had to pay per minute. If you remember, I don't know, you might be too young to remember those. Uh, too young to remember. I'm in my yeah, mid-20s. 
<laughs> yeah, so you weren't even born, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but yeah, so so I had to go to a coffee shop, and it was very expensive to pay per minute of the internet use. And internet in 1997, 1998 had very little information. It wasn't like what it is today. So what you knew, you knew from TV or from magazines. Uh, we didn't have access to that information like people have today. And you can pretty much understand what you're getting yourself into. I didn't. So I figured I'll take my $500. I'll get off the plane and I'll figure out where to go. I'll find a place to stay. And here comes the adventure, right? But two days before um, I was leaving, I started to be a little bit concerned, you know, because, you know, it's coming, you know, two days. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm leaving and I figured I'll go for a couple of years. I'll save up money and I'll come back. But um, I remembered a couple of days before I remembered there was a guy from Slovakia who lived in California who came to our company when I worked there to try to do some business basically and I had his business card so I decided to call him to California and ask him if he you know I told him listen I'm coming in a couple of days um do do you know where I could go or can you advise me what to do and stuff like that so he said I can't help you much but I'm gonna give you a phone number of one girl who uh, might be able to help you and he gave me a phone number of a girl from Czech Republic who had a cleaning company here in California because all the immigrants were basically cleaning houses back then here. And I got very lucky because she was a very, very nice, decent girl who really helped me out. She picked me up at the airport. She uh, allowed me to stay at her place for the first four nights. She uh, helped me to find an apartment. But of course, I didn't have enough money. So she even lent me money uh, for the apartment with the fact that I'll pay her back as I work for her. And I did. So she was the one who was able to guide me a little bit. And and I started literally from the floor when you think about it, because I had to be up at five o'clock, you know, homes at seven, got home around seven for the most part, uh, Mondays through uh, Saturday. So I work very, very hard and uh, I am very grateful for this experience, which I had for the first year, because I got to learn so much about American culture, the truth about American culture. I got to be face to face with so many Americans and talk to them about life and figure out how things work. And they gave me really a shortcut to understanding American mentality because I saw so many people who were here, they lived very much their Czech or Slovak mentality here. They weren't adapted to American lifestyle. I wanted to be a part of the American lifestyle and culture. So um, these people who I cleaned houses for, for example, would take me on jet skis on the weekend or would invite me for their Christmas party. They would frame my picture in a picture frame and put me on a a table next to their family members because they loved me. They truly, most of them took me as a family member. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, she's a house cleaner and she's something below us. You know, I wasn't treated that way. That's what I kind of expected. But in in the vast majority, I, I have to say, everybody was 
treating me really respectfully, uh, appreciated my time and work and help. And um, it was a very good experience. So, so, so how of, did you how did you leverage or, or how did you get from like cleaning houses and um, trying to make a living to eventually like becoming like a supermodel and um, being like published everywhere and seen like across the whole uh, world and so on and so forth. So yeah, so so I was 22 when I came to LA and uh, you know I started uh, as I just told you, and then one day I'm walking from a gym. Because, you know, I signed up for a gym. I was working out. I'm in California. Everybody's working out. So you have to, too. And I'm walking and this uh, gentleman stops me. And he happens to be a producer who produces sports events. And he asked me if I would want to be a cheerleader at uh, an upcoming event, which was a, a roller hockey, like a beach hockey, roller hockey. Um, and I'm like, me and the cheerleader, you know, my uh, confidence was very low. My self-esteem was very low. I felt like a maid as a cleaning uh, girl, you know, came from Slovakia, barely spoke the language. How can I be with American girls who are like so perfect, you know, to me? How can I be a cheerleader next to them? So I said, no. But if you have some job in the office, I'm open to try it out because, you know, that was my background from Slovakia and I liked computers and, you know, I just figured maybe I can get a job in the office. So he said, fine, come on Friday and we'll see. So I came on Friday and him and his um, vice president um, had to go for some meetings. So they left me with all this merchandise for hockey players. And they wanted me to count it and organize it, and, you know, like basic stuff like the sizes, types of jerseys and shirts and tank tops, hats. And, you know, they expected me to probably take a piece of paper and a pen and kind of add it up and organize it. But I saw a computer, so I turned it on and they had an Excel software. So I'm like, oh, great, this is going to make my life much easier. So I did my thing in the Excel spreadsheet. I organized everything. I created formulas. And back then, not everybody had the skill. Today, everybody does probably. But in the 90s, not too many people knew how to work in Excel. So when they came back, um, I had a printout of the whole inventory, sizes, types of shirts and everything. And they just couldn't believe it. They're like, you are telling me, like, if I change this number, if I remove one medium-sized T-shirt, it's going to change the overall inventory number. I'm like, yeah, because it's a formula, right? And they just started to, to call me computer genius. And I was hired immediately. And I was the assistant to the vice president, who uh, was a very nice lady. And I just remember uh, feeling a huge sense of accomplishment right there because... This was uh, a show for ESPN, which is the biggest sports channel in America. Uh, this is a seasonal hockey an arena for six weeks on the beat. I have a dog here, sorry. Uh, so they built an arena and it's televised live. So, you know, I was involved in everything from the beginning through booking hockey players, uh, their plane tickets, hotel, their merchandise, 
Then when they build actual arena, I was one of the first people there sweeping, helping them to sweep the floor. I didn't care. I was just so happy to be on the beach in California, having an actually really cool job, being respected. Um, I remember when I had to talk to Disney Studios and, you know, I'm in, in the country for like a year and I'm talking to Disney Studios and I just couldn't believe how they can trust me so much, giving me all these important tasks. I'm like, I wouldn't trust myself because my low self, my self-esteem was so low. And I, I just been put down so much growing up in Europe. I think that you just think very low of yourself. Um, so I felt kind of comfortable cleaning homes on one hand because that was like a job where I didn't have to talk to anybody in some way if I didn't want to. And I just was doing my thing. But all of a sudden, I'm in this humongous job where I have to talk to big people all of a sudden. I, I ended up being during the actual um, hockey tournament, I was at the score table adding up scores on the computer. And then I had to run because it was all live with the printout to the TV booth handed over and they were airing it live. So if I made a mistake, it would be live on TV and, and the scores <laughs> would be wrong. So, you know. And, and, was, and I think, Kat, um, and I think uh, what you've mentioned about confidence is also like such a great takeaway for, for our listeners because I always like to say to people, um, that you really have to make sure that you are protecting your confidence because um, I always tend to say to people uh, that if you're uh, like try to try to remember like when you when you had like low confidence like when when your confidence is low you are not working uh, working uh, working like on your best you are not like starting a new company you're not approaching the girl like when your confidence is low you don't do all the things that you would do like when your confidence is like super 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 high so um, I tend to think um, it's also like super important to notice that uh, or to notice um, if other people like try to put you down or they say oh you shouldn't start this project it's never going to work and um, I think like w everyone who is listening to this they probably have like enough thoughts where they are doubting that, uh, themselves where they are thinking oh yeah this might fail like I think you don't need like other persons who also like increase your doubt and, 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 and increase your uncertainty so I think like protecting your confidence is like super important it is, and it's very hard, and I, I, I'm going to mention something that probably many people don't talk about, which um, lots of the, of the confidence is affected in, uh, in case of women by hormones, unfortunately. And I've learned throughout my life that when women are hormonal throughout their cycle, before their, their monthly cycle, it's the end of the world. You feel like nothing. It's, it's everything, even the smallest task seems like a huge task and you have breakdowns and it's so difficult for so many women to stay confident uh, because you just go through hormonal changes in your brain. And, and I just learned not to make any decisions during those times every month and just, just let things slide and try to focus on creative because my confidence is still crashes and it's not your choice it just happens because the hormones and it's the body chemistry and and not much you can do about it unless you take medications but i i don't like to take medications so yes protect it as much as you can and understand it what's affecting your confidence is it the environment is it your body chemistry uh, hormones is it a boyfriend 
Is it your job? Is it anything, right? Is it social media? So, so yes, I agree. And and I love what you've said about like it's hormonal also because I think this this also applies to guys. Like for instance, like if you're like sleeping for four or five hours every night, drinking every night like four beers, not working out, uh, you are like totally stressed out of your mind you have like a nagging and bitching girlfriend or something like that to give a silly example like like obviously your confidence is going to be like super low like all the time so i think like mm -hmm. uh that you've mentioned um like it's also hormonal for for women i think it's also hormonal like if you treat your body like not in a good manner so i think like it's super important like if you want to create uh, create like any success into your life that you also like take your health and fitness like super seriously because i think like that um so so many people because we have like a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this and um they they tend to think it's all about the tactics and the strategies and obviously all the marketing strategies and the tactics uh, they're nice to know and they're like super super important but um if you don't focus on the basics if you're not sleeping enough if you if you eat shit all the time like man like you have to change your diet and your sleeping uh, habits so Yes, and then if you uh, uh, take too much caffeine or you take yeah. some some stimulants and stuff like that, then uh, it can also be very dangerous because I notice many people become overconfident and it leads to cockiness and uh, arrogance. And it's very, there is a fine line between healthy confidence and and cockiness and, and you know, overconfidence, you could say, basically. So... It's so important to stay healthy and treat your body and mind with love and kindness and, and give it the best you can because it is going to affect it. Absolutely. And I know for for a fact that you're like also like a, a bit of an health expert because you are a vegan and so on and so forth. Maybe we get uh, later into that. But um, yeah, please Kat, uh, continue with your story and share with us like how, how was the shift from, okay, now, like working in this type of office job to someone I saw uh, think discovered you and eventually like working with all those big brands and leveraging that to like launching your company and so on and so forth. So I told you, I told you it's a long story. So I'm trying to yeah. tell you as much as I can. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, um, you know, this hockey tournament was a seasonal, as I mentioned, it was for six weeks every summer. So after that, you have to find a different job, right? Because the season is over and there's no more job for hockey. So I wanted to leave. Uh, I was living in Orange County, which is an hour outside Los Angeles. And I wanted to live more in L.A. or Santa Monica, closer to Hollywood, because I just always like the entertainment and stuff. So I was I was just looking for a job and somebody told me that there is a restaurant in Santa Monica that's looking for help for waitresses and stuff like that. And everybody was talking about how well, how good money you can make as a waitress here in California because you get tips and, you know, you just it's all cash and, you know, you can make good money. So I figured I would try to be a waitress. I've never been a waitress, but, you know, it seems like everybody's doing it and it can be a rocket science. But, you know, again, in Slovakia, you go to school to be a waitress. You study to be a bartender. You go to school for four years. In California, no, just show me what you can do. That's it. Nobody needs any paper. Nobody needs any diploma. And that's why we have so many opportunities here, because nothing requires really, not nothing, but 
none of these simple jobs require any any uh, school basically so uh, I found a job in an Austrian restaurant in Santa Monica um, so I was working for Charlie Temel which is no longer around but uh, I started as a ice cream scooper as a, as a, a hostess then as a waitress you know, and then I ended up in a uh, in a different restaurant because the restaurant was closing. So I ended up in a, a Argentinian steakhouse, and I was a vegetarian at the time. Uh, <laughs> a perfect job, I would say. <laughs> perfect job. I was an expert in steaks. Every time they asked me which steak I recommend, I knew everything about those steaks. Never had them, but I was always right because customers were always happy. <laughs> so that that was my that was a, a good. Uh, character or, or personality trait I brought from Slovakia. I When I did something, I tried to do it as best as I could and I would study and I learned everything about those steaks and the, the food we offer. So, because knowledge is power and, and I was one of the top two waitresses there. And as I was working there, uh, one day we had a couple sitting in a different section, not mine, but uh, a husband and wife he was a photographer and his wife was a makeup artist. And she came up to me and asked me uh, if I am a model. And I said, no, I'm not. And I was already 26 years old at that time. And uh, she's like, well, would you, would you like to do a test shoot with us? My husband is a photographer. He sits right there and stuff. I'm like, me? And of course, want to be a model you want to be pretty and you see those beautiful models and and you would want to try it but at the same time I'm short I'm not tall I'm already 26 again I can't compete with those beautiful girls in America and LA is full of beautiful girls from How around tall are you I'm five six so I think that's 164 in the yeah. centimeters yeah I think so but they said, you know, why don't I test? So I agreed to do a test shoot and it was such a fun day and I loved the photos we took and they loved the photos we took and, and they saw a huge potential in me and they explained to me, look, California is not about high fashion modeling. California is about commercial modeling. It's about TV modeling. It's about having a beautiful smile that sells. It's about having gorgeous hair or, you know, having that aura, that personality uh, and your body just has to photograph well. It has to look good on camera. It's not about the height at all. And, you know, I was programmed from Europe. You have to be super skinny. You have to be super tall, have perfect facial structure and and all that stuff. So it was like, wow, like it's a different world here, you know. And then I have to interject. Sorry, but but mm -hmm. I think this is also such a great takeaway because I think um Society conditions us in so, so many ways that um, you have to have a business MBA to start a business and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I think um, they're like um, they're, society is setting up so, so many rules and they say this is the way and that is the way. And there are like always so, so many exceptions to the rules. 
Um, so I think a lot of those rules aren't really the rules. They are totally made up. And for instance, like when it comes down to your modeling uh, story and, and, and to, to, to your example, um, you can also clearly see that society tell, tell, uh, told you that um, you have to have like the height and you have to have like the facial stru uh, structure. And, um, and you, you have to be 16. Yeah, you have to be super, super young. And they, they told you all those rules, but you could still like create like amazing success for your life. So um, I think you for everyone who is listening to this, you have to be like super critical and you have to like think about like what kind of stories you are telling yourself and what kind of stories uh, is society telling you or your parents or your friends or your colleagues. And you, you, you really have to think for yourself and um, you shouldn't like you shouldn't like take everything like you should like believe everything because I think like a lot of people that are listening to this they're like maybe in their early 20s mid 20s maybe even the early 30s mid 30s they tend to they tend to um, believe like way too quickly into the narratives that they are being told so yes and and, and it's difficult uh, especially because uh, even if you let's say believe your own story and you try and you get rejected and then you get rejected over and over and over. And that was my case too. When I was 16 and I was in Slovakia, I signed up for a model search. It was, you know, uh, three different categories. One was for models who are tall. Then a second one was like a girl of, of the summer where you didn't have to be tall, but you still have to be cute. And then for older women. And I signed up and I remember... I was out immediately. I mean, in my category, we had, I don't know, a couple of hundred girls. Yeah. And and the girls around me actually thought I'm really pretty and I'm going to make it for sure in the finals and stuff. And I did feel I have good chances. But I was eliminated after the first round. And girls were looking at me like, why? And I'm looking what around, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. and, I'm, and I'm looking at other, you know, uh, girls and I felt like, well... She's okay, but I don't think she's better than me. You know, like I think we're equal at least. And and you just can't figure out why you just get rejected. And you're 16, yeah. um, and and you put so much effort, and this happens over and over. So you stop believing in your own story sometimes, and that can be tricky because your mind plays tricks on you. Then you know. And I can relate. So go ahead. Go um, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> because I can relate so much to your story because like um, for, in my specific case or in my life story, like uh, it wasn't like modeling related. But um, for instance, like I was like uh, I started to, to be like super, super interested in, into entrepreneurship when I was like 20, 21 or something like that. And um, like, for instance, like I was like always a bad student. I always had like terrible grades. And um, yeah, I was like the worst student, like always in class. And so, so many people told me, oh, yeah, you should just get an average job and you you should be like super happy if you get this job or that job. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that I'm made for more, that I, I'm made for greatness. Like I, I, I don't want to like be average and just work a nine to five. Like I think there's nothing wrong with a nine to five. And um, I think um not everyone is made to be an entrepreneur and not everyone should start a business. Like, um, I think there are people who really want to create something big and a lot of people don't want to, and that's perfectly fine. But in my case, I really wanted to start a business and yeah, everyone told me that ah, 
online business, forget this, and it's nothing will work. And so, so many people um, told me it's nonsense. And uh, the first like two or three years, it, it was like totally rough. Like I made nearly no money. I was losing money all the time. And like you said, like I, I, I had those dreams, I had those aspirations, but um, like um. I wasn't making any money. I wasn't like making any income. And I also had like all those people who told me, oh, I should do like something totally different. And then you start doubting yourself. But um, mm -hmm. what I always tell to everyone is um, I really believe like if you if you are really passionate about something and if you stick at it like long enough, eventually it will work out. So you would get like one client and then you would get another client. And I, I, I one of my biggest clients uh, that I got like after four years or so was like a marketer. His name is Neil Patel and he has like a blog and gets like 8 million visitors a month and he makes like 50 million in ad revenue. And then I leveraged like him as a client to, to get another client. And this guy, uh, for instance, like I'm working with Cameron Harold. He has like three companies. He built three companies up to nine figures, like over a hundred million in revenue. And I leveraged him to get even more clients and more clients and more clients. And now I'm like nearly making seven figures at this point. So um, I think like for everyone who's listening to this, um, if you really believe that you are made for greatness, uh, stick stick with your goals long enough. And I really believe that eventually it will happen. So Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. It's just when you start doubting yourself because you feel everybody else is right because you're failing, you fail yeah. over and over. And then you start to remember everything everyone told you. You can do this. You can. You should have this. You should do that. And then you start thinking maybe they were right. And yeah. this is so dangerous because, no, they're not right. They're not. But just when you are feeling down and you feel like you're failing, it's easy to, to shift that thinking into that negativity and stay there. I was told, you know, I had a boyfriend when I lived in Slovakia for six years before I left. Uh, and, you know, it, it was a set up plan uh, by my boyfriend and his family where, you know, when you finish school, you'll get a job at the train station selling tickets because so-and-so is going to retire. And this is in a tiny village. This is not even a city. No. It's a tiny village where there's somebody behind a small window you, which you <laughs> open and, and sell a ticket. And, you know, I'll wake up, I'll take my kids to school, go to work, you know, uh, finish working, go get the kids. And, and that's my life. I'm like, I can't see myself selling tickets at the train station. You know, and it's the same thing. I always felt something great within me and a higher purpose, but I just kept getting rejected and I, I never felt appreciated for anything. Nobody saw me as an artist, like even my own father, who I love dearly, you know, he, he wanted me to get a job at the courthouse because he was working at the courthouse, you know, and I'm just like, I'm, I, I want to be a rock star, you know. I, <laughs> I want to be world. someone. Yep. Yeah, I want to. I want to. <laughs> just, just, my mind is sat in a, such a different place. Yeah. And see how other people see you, and I'm like, why am I perceived this way? You're like, yeah. what's wrong with me? Like, you know, am I living some false reality or something? But no, you know. Fortunately, that's why when I came to America, I. It was just wow after wow after wow because I saw so many people saw my potential and so many people, you know, uh, believed in me and I couldn't believe they believe in me when I don't even believe in myself or my own family or my <laughs> friends. Like, 
how is it? And I try to really right. analyze this. Why is it that Americans are so different when it comes to this? Because they really California, they, they love helping you. They love, they of, of course like to also tear you down once you're on top, but that's later. But at the beginning, when they see a potential, they do help you to, to, to build you up. And they want to take credit for it, of course, too, a little bit. And and I think, um, oh, by the way, like you're super, super inspiring. I really love this about you. But um, I think for everyone who is listening to this, um, because I can also like totally agree with everything that you are saying. And um, what I also experienced in my own life was when, for instance, I started this podcast, like for me, like um, because like I had like a German podcast as well. And for me, like it was like super, super awkward to record in English. Like, um, like I, 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 I I, like I've traveled like to 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 a lot of different countries, but I never lived in the U.S. or I never lived abroad for like six months or something like that. So, um, but as um, as I was like getting a couple of big guests on, and after I've received like feedback, and I I've received like positive feedback, and the feedback got better and better and better. I also um, I also um, realized that my confidence level like totally increased and um mm -hmm. at first like i was like a little bit of dabbling like in the podcasting space i was like maybe like recording like uh once every two weeks or something but um eventually because uh, so so many people saw my potential and told me that um you should really double down on this you should like really really took this podcasting thing seriously i think um you can achieve like great things with your podcast i um i was like after a couple of months i was like doing like twice a day i was recording podcast like now i'm back to a normal schedule i'm like doing like th three podcasts per week but um i was like doing twice a day for like four months or something and it really helped me to 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 gain like a lot of exposure on itunes but um um I think for everyone who is listening to this, that's why I think the power of uh, surrounding yourself with the right people is really true. I think um, it's oversaid a little bit uh, on social media and so, so many people are talking about it, but I think it, it can't be said often enough. It's so true. Yeah, because the tr true, successful, truly successful people and entrepreneurs help create more entrepreneurs. They don't yeah. try to get followers. They don't try to be a star where, you know, um, they feel special. They help. And that's why I think you have such great guests because they want to help you and help you elevate uh, because they see potential. And I felt that on my own skin, although so many people have said in the past, like, well, it's easy for you because you were a hot chick. You were young. Of course, everybody wanted to help you. I'm like, no. Okay. I know hot chicks from, yes. <laughs> let's say, Eastern Europe in L.A. People mm. don't help them. It takes uh, gratitude. It takes kindness and, and, courage, and drive courage, yeah. and courage and drive. And, and, and Americans are people who need to feel appreciated. And if you appreciate them, they want to help you more. So, you know, somehow because I cleaned houses for a year and I got to know them pretty well, I knew, I probably knew how to adapt myself. And, you know, going back to this couple that discovered me, you know, they uh, found me a modeling agency, which was one of the top agencies here in, in LA. Um, and it was another wow. And within like few months, uh, a magazine called Femme Fatale 
featured me as a, a, a face of the year. That was 2004, I think. Face of the year. Sorry to interrupt. That we really have to get into your story, but I think what I also like really love about you is, um, I think especially like nowadays, like a lot of people uh, who are in my age, they have like also this mindset that that you've uh, talked about that oh it's so easy for Hardy to say oh it's so easy for Katharina to say, but um, I think um, I, a lot of people they have this entitlement mentality and that everyone everything should be handed out to them and i think like what we didn't highlight in your story is that you that you've worked as a fucking mate like a lot of people especially like beautiful young women like you are like um they would they would say oh i'm above that like i would never work as a mate or, or clean houses or something like that and i see this also like in the in the business example where people are like oh yeah i i shouldn't like create my own website or I shouldn't do my marketing and uh, I, I'm above cold calling people or cold emailing people like man like if you if you want to create success into your life you have to do these shitty jobs at first like I couldn't delegate anything at, in the first couple of years like um, that you, you, you have to put in the hours to eventually be in the position where you can delegate when you can scale your business where you, where you can build a company culture when you can hire people like man nobody gives gives you those things you have to deserve them you have to earn them and i think um the, the world isn't a crazy enough place where people where undeserving people get like a million bucks handed out to them so yeah and what's what's annoying to me is when they say oh you had it easy you were beautiful you were young and all that stuff i'm like imagine being young in la um how many men are trying to take advantage of me you know, like imagine how much monkey business is out there. I had people telling me, hey, if you do sexual massages, I'll pay you $500 a day. You don't have to clean homes. I'm like, no, I want to clean homes because I wanted to earn my living the honest way, at least what means to me honest way. I wanted to be able to look into my parents' eyes. And I also wanted to wake up with no regrets, you know, because as we age, you know, then you look back and things start to really eat you up if, if you make wrong, wrong choices. And to me, it was like I much rather make $60 a day back then than 500 an hour for some sexual services or something, you know. And I had these opportunities all the time handed to me where to the point I would be kicked out from some of the parties here in LA because when I was as a waitress, you know, these uh, wealthy men that would have parties in their houses, they said they don't want me around because they want the girls who just jump in a pool, take their top off and entertain their friends. Whereas I was someone who had a job and I paid my own bills and I don't need to be supported by a wealthy man. I didn't make much money, but it was enough for me to wake up and feel free and feel good, um, you know, and, and they X'd me out from the list because I was a bad energy to those men because I'm not the fun girl who just jumps in a pool and takes the top off, you know, yeah. and I'm like, well, I'm enjoying just being here with having the cocktail. Yeah, but that's bad energy to me. So, you know, people lots of times, <laughs> people lots of times look at me or women like me where, oh, must be a gold digger, must be this and that. And it's so far from the truth. I mean, of course, yes. we have a ton of gold diggers here. There yeah. are women who 
don't want to work and that's okay that's their journey that's their choice but they should not assume that everybody just because somebody's good looking is like that you know and and i can totally relate to this because um i think um i don't want to get like into racial things or something but but i think like a lot of people they have like a certain belief like uh on like how an entrepreneur should look like or how a successful business person should behave like i think like most people wouldn't expect like a muscular black guy in his 20s to be like a business entrepreneur like what the hell so um i'm also like sometimes when i'm meeting new people at a party or something like what and they ask me like what do you do for a living and i say like i want a marketing agency and and then then they they ask me like okay like what's your real job and and i'm like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> like like they think it's my side hustle like and, and i'm like in my mind like okay i don't want to be sound like a douchebag but i told probably make like 10 times your income and and they think like uh, this is my side hustle so um i think um people who don't fit the narratives they can really relate to your story people who aren't like entrepreneurs in their arms those uh i don't know like in their early 40s mid 40s blonde hair like suited up guys like um a lot of people they have like a, a, a specific um they think oh this person when they are an entrepreneur they should be like this and i think you can probably also relate to this where people don't think that oh uh, an, an entrepreneur is like a good looking woman who about makeup and stuff so Yeah, and uh, fortunately in America is pretty uh, open-minded at this point where, um, you know, of course, some people want to see you not successful. They can't believe, oh my gosh, you got funding for your company. Like, like how, like they want to see you uh, because, because of their ego, obviously. But to relate to you, when I was already a successful model here in LA, I remember going to Italy. So good because I had very established modeling and acting career. And I remember somebody in Italy asked me what I do, and I said I'm a model, and he's like, <laughs> "What type of a model?" Oh fuck! <laughs> and I, oh fuck! And and, oh, and I'm fuck. thinking, you ass, like you have no idea. I have three running TV commercials for Pepsi, for a Dodge Ram, like you are like already people, killing it. Uh, I'm <laughs> killing. I'm on the cover of this magazine, like. And you see that close mind because here I'm the shit. Excuse my language, you know. But no but problem. in Europe, somebody uh, in Europe, somebody looks at me and they think I'm probably a porn star or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But they because they don't understand that California is all about California look. It's about positivity. It's about the smile. It's about different elements. Yeah. High fashion is not here. You don't see women wearing couture dresses. When you walk in these streets, it's women in shorts, women in uh, jogging uh, outfits. It's California. It's very casual. So, so high fashion or even like fashion as European fashion, you don't see it here. It's a street fashion. It's uh, it's it's completely different. So the modeling is also adjusted to that, you know. And 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 for me, how I uh, what I found out because um I had like a lot like negative experience like like other like where people like are angling you for something or they want something out of like okay when they realize that that you are quote unquote successful they they want something out of uh, out of you or they want to use you or something so what I realized is um 
I hate to say what I do for a living when I'm like at a random party. Like I, I tend to just lie about it because I, I sometimes like when I clearly know that this person's, I don't have to like ex uh, impress them. I will never work with them. They don't own a company. They don't do any real business. I often tend to say I'm just a student. So uh, <laughs> to just avoid the drama or like getting asked a million questions. So I think for everyone who's listening to this, um, if you're like maybe like right now you are starting a business or um, even when you are successful and, and you're making like money, like I think there's also you don't always have to say what you are doing. You can always just lie down. Like I, I very often just act dumb and say like I'm a student. And so uh, so that's how I'm avoiding those questions. <laughs> exactly. Because it doesn't matter, right? In that it situation, doesn't matter. Who, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Who doesn't cares? Matter at all. Yeah. I, yeah. When, when I want to impress someone and I know, okay, this is a successful business person. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I got this, this, this and that. I, 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 I'm working with all those people. Well, then, then, then I can try to impress them, but it it doesn't it, it doesn't add anything to my life to impress like someone random on the street. So I think um, you can just lie down and play dumb if you're listening to this. You don't have to tell everyone what you are working on, what your company is all about, what your life is uh, heading, or, or what kind of direction you're heading towards. So, and it's true, and it's here uh, the same way. Like those truly successful people don't show off their wealth. You know, they are very laid back because the minute you show off, people go after you. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants a piece of it. Uh, of course, those who are celebrities and recognized faces, uh, like Richard Branson, he can't really downplay it because he's Richard Branson. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's there's, successful at this yeah, point. Yeah, there's not much you can do, but there's so many super successful people, super wealthy people. And they don't talk about their wealth you know they 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 just say they own a business or something and that's it that's they don't drive yeah they don't drive uh, flashy cars you know they they get a company to drive them you know like that's a thing where uh, i learned a lot from true success, truly successful people here it's um it's just really downplay it yes Yes, and uh, I think this this is also like a, a fun topic because I think that a lot of people also have this image in their minds that everyone who is successful, they're like driving the Lamborghini and they all have like 5 million followers. And I can tell you, talking to so, so many people who have like 1 million YouTube followers, a lot of them aren't rich. Like, most of them aren't rich at all. So um, I was just thinking about uh, one guy I've interviewed on the podcast. It was like my 10th or 15th episode or something. His name is Martin Sundquist. And the guy's like running one of the biggest hedge funds in Sweden and um, like managing like billions of, of dollars. And this guy is a billionaire. He has like 150 Instagram followers. Like he has a, a, a Twitter account with like two tweets or I don't know, maybe like no tweets tweets at all like he isn't on social media he isn't like driving the lamborghini or something and he's mm -hmm. like working with the biggest companies in the world so i think um yeah like you've said he's so busy he's busy yeah. uh, working uh, he doesn't have time to post on twitter three times yeah. a day and on instagram <laughs> selfies those people are usually busy working yeah. you know 
Yeah, so 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 I think yeah, a lot of people they think that oh yeah, everyone uh, is posting on social media and nah, not everyone, not everyone is floating their wealth. They're like like super super successful, super wealthy people who are like really low key. You wouldn't like guess in a million years that they are successful. So, um, totally also agree on that. Um, yes. So. Where do you where, want where, me to where, continue? Yeah. You want me to continue <laughs> so, with my modeling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue with your modeling and 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 let's wrap the modeling story up and 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 let's switch to to how you started your business. But but please please just uh, finish your your modeling story. So sure, because the the modeling leads to the business, so uh, it just ties to it. So as I as I uh, became a successful model. Um, I met many wonderful women here, very talented women. And uh, in 2008, blogs started to become very popular. So I figured, why don't I start a business? Because I've learned so much uh, from producing photo shoots, from being in front of the camera. I also was a beauty specialist, makeup artist. So I knew makeup and, and PR and uh, graphic design and all, all these uh, talents I had and I wanted to put it all under one umbrella into one project into my own business and because I knew so many people from the entertainment industry I decided to start um, a blog but I didn't want to have a blog because to me at that time especially blogs were nothing it was just a blog right I wanted like the level up which was an online magazine and I recruited some of these models that I liked I worked with because one of them had passion for cooking, one of them had passion for yoga, and one of them had passion for fashion. So I figured if I create a team of like 12 models who are very talented, each in a certain area, then I can have a lifestyle online magazine and each will run that section and contribute the content. And, and that's how I'll build the business. Because my dad is a, a freelance journalist, so I have the journalistic mind in me too, and I like storytelling and, and all that stuff. So, so I felt like I do want to have a blog, but like a level up. So I started magazine, which first was a website, more or less, and, and, and a digital magazine. But the di whole digital magazine, if you notice, never really took off. Like people thought the print magazine is going to be killed. It's going to be all digital magazines. And 10 and, and years sorry later... To, sorry to interject, but... but um, so because you've said earlier in our uh, conversations that um, you were like uh, super interested in business and marketing, but um, how... What what kind of epiphany did you have like back then that you were like, okay, like I'm done with modeling for now or I'm maybe still modeling on the side, but what I really want to focus on is business. Like why did you like, why did you make that huge transition uh, in your life? How come? Because modeling, you know, uh, is not steady. Modeling comes and goes. And also uh, the trend was changing. When when I started modeling, my look was so in and I booked probably 80% of the jobs I went for auditions. But then as the early 2000s uh, moved towards 2010, you know, the look changed and, and all of a sudden the industry was looking for different types. And while I was still working and I was working enough, I just knew that's not something I just want to end up doing. I mean, modeling is cool, it's fun, but also you are getting older and you're losing your modeling friends. The girls are getting married, moving away. LA is a transitioning city, so people don't stay here for a 
whole life. You know, they stay here for 10 years, 15 years, and then they leave. So, you know, it's clear that, you know, I don't want to end up as a retired model and then what, right? Like, it's just, I think life has so much more to offer than just just be a model for other companies. And I, because I had so many talents and experiences and skills, I felt like I want to express myself and help others. And I want to give opportunities to other like me who further never thought they can model. And, and I wanted to create a, a platform where they can also be featured because Vogue and magazines like that wouldn't take it. And also because I was so visual, um, you know, I just I just loved photography and I loved the colors and print and and magazine is like one of the best tools, you know, to to express yourself as an artist through through colors and 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 writing and all that stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you know, like I said, uh, just just taking uh, all these everything I have learned and meeting so many wonderful women who struggled to get modeling gigs who struggled to get into magazines. I was very lucky I got into a bunch of magazines, but, you know, there's so many models, you know, so millions and millions of models, and they can't get into magazines, you know, and and they would come to me for some kind of, like, coaching almost, how to look and how to present themselves, and, you know, because they saw me being so successful in my category. So just... Just naturally, I liked, I wanted to continue working with models because I loved the modeling industry and I wanted to continue working with women and models in entertainment. And it felt like a natural transition to start a business where I can still work with models, still utilize everything I learned and still stay in it. I, I never left. Like, you know, I'm yeah. still I'm still in modeling. It just, just has a different shape now, right? So... And and, uh, and I think um, I think um, this is also like another like fantastic takeaway for our listeners because um, I think a lot of people um, when they first start their business they don't really know like what kind of industry they should get into they don't really know like okay like what type of service or product they should be selling and I always like to tell people um, I think um, it's super important to think about like where do you have specific knowledge like where do you have knowledge that other people don't have for instance like where my business completely exploded like to massive numbers in like we were like doubling our revenue like every month was when um i i've realized i was like doing just like marketing like what everyone else does like seo facebook advertising google ads and all those type of things but when i realized like some some, some some friend of mine, like actually it was the Ukrainian guy, one of my best friends, he told me that, okay, you are talking to billionaires, millionaires, like how come you aren't like rich yet? And um, I was like, I don't know, like, and he said that, um, you know, all those people and you have like already like, so you, you, you are recording so, so many episodes. He said that maybe you should leverage that and create like some type of business out of that. And um, what, what I've done was uh, we've, we've created a service where I've noticed, okay, like all those super, uh, super successful people, they want to 
get on like world class podcast, top 100 iTunes podcast, the biggest podcast on the world, maybe even niche podcast. Maybe I should act as a booking agent and sell like marketing services related to podcasts. And that's mm -hmm. how we started, okay, to, to book entrepreneurs and public figures on the biggest shows. We had just like last week a client on the 30 like biggest self-improvement podcasts on the world. So, um, Because I know all those people, I know how to get guests, I know how to connect with people, I know how to email them, and um, I've used those specific skills, I've used this specific knowledge to create like a, a, a trend to completely transform my business. And I, I can also see this in your own example mm -hmm. where you've modeled for so, so many years, you gained so much experience in the modeling industry, you've like seen every corner, like every, every, um, ang every angle of the modeling industry, and you could leverage that leverage, uh, you could leverage that knowledge to create a, a new business. So um, I yep. think that for everyone who is listening to this, it's really about, okay, thinking, and for instance, if you are super passionate about fitness, and you know everything about nutrition, health on planet, like maybe you should sell supplements for as an example so um i think yeah it's really about like finding your finding or, or leveraging specific knowledge to create something yeah and what's what i i think what i would tell people is like if it's no fun don't do it right so go with what makes you happy what's fun to you and and try to pursue it yeah. even if it's on a side because that fun and hobby might turn into a business and exactly like you're talking about becoming a booking agent and all that stuff that's my how girls are dying magazines because it's a pr tool for them and that leverages their career and they get the higher rates modeling rates and stuff like that i'm like well if i am that magazine then i can charge models to be in a magazine and help ah. them to, uh, to to get a portfolio ah, and it. elevate because Very because smart. that's what magazine is anyway it's advertising right every magazine yep. lives of advertising and it's not only mcdonald's advertising with you it's people too individual people the same here We we interview so many entrepreneurs who are looking to be featured in different media outlets. Magazine is one of them. Websites. The more you have, the better. And that's that's exactly what we sell. It's it's you you utilize that because that's why I'm I'm, I'm my advice is go with your passion. What's fun yes. to you, even if you have a yeah. job that you don't enjoy. Because I used to have a job I didn't enjoy that much at first either. It wasn't until years and years later when I found myself what I want to do. If you ask me 20 years ago in Slovakia what I'll be doing one day, I would never ever think in a million years I'll be a publisher, ever. You know, I knew I like models, I knew I like magazines, I knew I like so many different things, but I would never think I, I can be a publisher. So all that experience as a model led me to start this magazine because I figured it's a huge field where there's not enough publications, basically, especially for models of my category. Yes. And, uh, and what I also want to add to this is um, I think um, for everyone who is listening to this, um, 
it's um there's one guy i really love like reading about like um i'm not agreeing with everything that he's putting out on the internet but his name is scott adams and he's like the, the cartoonist of dilbert maybe you know it. it's like a big big cartoon in in uh, the u.s but um um, what he likes to talk about is the talent stack. And the gist of the talent stack is basically um, it's very hard if you want to be like the greatest marketer on the planet. It's really, really hard because there are so, so fucking great, amazing marketers out there, a ton of them. But when you combine talents, it's very easy to own a category, a category and be the best out of most marketers out there for instance if in my case if you are like super interested into podcasting you're super interested into marketing you combine those two things now you are like in the top 10 percent or even uh, maybe even in the top one percent because there aren't so many marketers that are like super super um, obsessed about podcasting and i think this also totally applies to your life and how you created success in your life because um you had so so many different talents where you knew so much about modeling you were like interested in, in in marketing you were interested in entrepreneurship and you've combined so so many different skills and you've created like a business out of that skill and then you instantly were like a king of the category because not so many publishers had the business sense like you had not so many publishers had the marketing interests that you had they didn't mm -hmm. have the modeling background so i think if you tend to combine a lot of different Different things. I think um, you can you can achieve success way way more easily, and I think it's just smart to to go about success that way. And it's so true because when I was booked uh, for Sylvester Stallone's line of supplements uh, by this marketing agency, the guy who booked me, he said, "Katerina, I had to go to school for four years to study marketing to learn what you just picked <laughs> up by being a model." You know, yeah. like you were making money as a model and you learn at the same time. I had to go to school and spend money on it to learn what you already know. And it's, yeah. it's very, very true. So, you know, I think there's also the society pressure you were talking about at the beginning where, you know, you have to get a job when you're so young, you know, and it's so difficult. And if you don't get the job or you don't have the right job, then people perceive you as a loser or nothing's going to uh, come out of you later. And. You know, it's just, I think 18 not or 14, not too many people know what they want to be. I mean, you're still finding okay. yourself. It's it's just, you know, here it used to be like people would become uh, entrepreneurs in their 40s. That was the average in their 40s. Now, I think the that moved uh, to younger because of the social media. Mm, and stuff. Yeah, the, the Internet, I think, makes it a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's changed, but ago. it used to be. Yeah, it used to be that way. And, you know... I'm just like, go do whatever your passion is, follow it, and, and it will somehow show you what it's supposed to be. Because in the graphic design, I remember when we made an issue, because I worked as a graphic designer here for three years, and we made the first print magazine, and it was so beautiful, like people stole it from every single place. Like I couldn't even believe the eye I naturally have or the eye for aesthetics, or kind of a flow of the magazine. It was like a whole storytelling book, that issue. It wasn't advertisers are paying us and we'll just fill up the pages. It was a storytelling book, you could say, with over 200 pages, 
with uh, everything just made sense and it was so beautiful and it, it left you feel good. So people would always say, your magazine is like a feel good magazine because when I close it, I feel so enriched and good because each issue would end up with positive inspirational articles about positive thinking. And that's how we would leave the magazine if you, let's say, read it from the beginning to the end. So, you know, I saw, okay, I have like, like all of a sudden you test yourself, right? And, and all these things are confirming you're good at that and you should be doing it and you keep adding. And you were asking about when was that moment, the aha moment from high school when they told me I should be a director. It came when I had to work on our first videos. And when I was watching a, a photographer to edit a video, and I was just watching him in his software. He left and I tried to edit uh, a video just based on what I saw. And I made a killer video within one hour and I just knew the software. And every time I make a video, because we have a 90s girl show, that's a story about me and my magazine that's on YouTube. I also have a successful YouTube channel for Czech Republic and Slovakia where we edit certain way and and people love it more than TV because the, the way the editing is and the way we film, that's when I really saw the director in me. You know, that's where I understand. Now I know why they told me I should be a movie director because I know so much about cameras, so much about lighting, so much about composition, the frames, the storytelling in general, you know, and, and editing on top of it. Uh, where I know the sound and sound effects and to pick the right music to to dress the video. And that's so basically that's when I was like, ah, OK, OK, the video, the video and YouTube. That's that's what confirmed 100 percent the high school experts that you, you should be a movie director. So don't be surprised if, if in a few years I'll, I'll make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, what you said about like young people don't really knowing like um, where they should like uh, what kind of career they should get into. And I think what's also super important to highlight is that um, to everyone who's listening to this, that you shouldn't like compare yourself at all. Like I was like totally broke being like in my early 20s and um, I had no direction whatsoever in life like um, I started working at a job and then quit after four weeks I was like studying business administration for like two semesters and like really attending uni for only like one semester and um, I think that it's totally fine if you aren't like if you haven't figured it all out like in your 20s and um, I think that um, also like social media and um, the internet like gives you this uh, suggestion that um, or, or gives you the idea that um, like success becomes or uh, is so easy and, and is so like quickly, quickly attainable like for me like I, to be honest, I consider myself lucky. Like, I think I've created my own luck, but I also know that timing is a huge factor in uh, success. So I definitely say that I am lucky. But um, um, I think for everyone who is listening to this, um, like, quote, unquote, being successful, um, I think it can easily take 
five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I've talked to so, so many people. So, so many people created their first like super successful company when they were like in their mid forties or early fifties or something that I think like my own case, like um, I would now consider myself successful after five years, but definitely not beforehand. And I think that Five years is like uh, it's like a super super short time frame. So um, if you are listening to this, I think you have to take a long term view. You have to think about like creating success for it needs to take at least five years. I know people who became successful in three years, but most of us aren't like became so successful so early. So um, if you are listening to this, it can easily take 10, 15 years or more. And um, I think you should like really adopt the long term view because I see so so many people and they think i should make like six figures after four weeks and i'm like man like <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work like that so and, and as you know we always say it's about the journey right it's not about yeah. the end goal it's the journey so so really i mean what's beautiful about living in today's modern world is that everybody has unlimited access to information we didn't have it back then you know things took longer uh, you know, I had different issues when I came to America. First, I had to figure out a way how to become legal, how to even get a work permit, yeah. how to, you know, establish myself as a human being that has rights. No internet, no social no media. No internet okay. and, and, and just, you know, function uh, as a legal citizen here. So I lost lots of years just to just to adapting or, uh, yeah, adapting myself to the system here. But the people who are born here, for example, or even in Europe or anywhere it's, it's just so much easier. Now you have the internet, you have social yeah. media, you can follow any successful person. There's so much information. And if you really focus on studying and, and just absorbing all that information, yeah. you will become successful. There's no freaking way that you won't. If you are so passionate <laughs> and determined to succeed, you absolutely will become successful. You just trust the timing because timing is different for everyone. You need yeah. to walk your path. It's your path. No one else's. Stay oh, focused, wow. determined, and patient. Because sometimes you might have to take a detour or you stumble upon the road. It's okay. So many, pretty much all, almost all entrepreneurs, the big ones we know, failed. They filed yeah. bankruptcy a couple of times. They, they failed miserably many times. And that's okay. They just picked themselves up, continued walking because they were determined to be successful. I am too. If you are too, you will get there. You just got to keep walking and enjoy the ride. Even if you're not generating the revenue you want, you know, one day you might, things might change and then you won't. That happens in a digital space. You know, lots of our traffic comes from Pinterest, for example. Then Pinterest changed the algorithm overnight. We went from 20 million to 5 million impressions on one of our sites. And that's a huge difference in the revenue, you know, so... So things can change overnight. So all of a sudden you just have to, you can never be comfortable in business, right? You just always have to stay on top of things that's happening, what's changing, your analytics, what's performing, what's, what's not. And, and it's a constant work. But, you know, people need to know that even if you succeed partially, don't get too comfortable either. You know, yeah. just just stay focused and keep working hard. Don't don't be all of a sudden. Oh, I'm a big shot because lots of yeah. these people I noticed disappear. Uh, <laughs> you know, they disappear or 
all of a sudden they have this image of a successful person and they have to keep up with it. They can admit to the world, oh, I failed. Now I'm broke. I can't pay the mortgage. Now they take up, uh, you know, take on loans and all kinds of stuff to mask the image, to continue the image they had. It's okay to sometimes admit, okay, shit, you know, I failed. I have to do whatever I have to do and start all over if that's the case, instead of struggling and drowning and drowning in a bad business that doesn't work anymore. You know, so so that's where the ego has to be removed, I think. I, I totally agree with you. And um, what I also want to highlight for everyone who is listening to this, I think um, a lot of people, they also tend to think about like um, like entrepreneurship or business is being linear that you are like increasing your revenue for like 10% like like every month and i think like for the most part it doesn't work like that for for me it was like a gradual shift at some point and then it was just skyrocketing so i think like if you are listening to this and you have been in business for three years, five years, seven years, and you are not making the revenue that you are making, I really believe, and I know this sounds corny, but I really believe maybe if you like create like a different product or a different service or you, 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 you sell to a different niche or you adjust like you adjust your branding and, and sell to a different like target audience. I think, um, you can, you can, you can really, really skyrocket your income. Like, um, I really believe that I can see in my own life. It wasn't like a linear thing where I was like making like 5k, 8k, 10k. It was like, okay, like I'm, I'm barely like able to pay my bills to, okay, now we got so, so many clients next much we got even more clients but this process took me five years to get to this point but um i think that a lot of people think it's linear and it's not linear at all i think that if you go into a job it's really linear you earn like you make like 30k for a couple of years then after that you make 35 50 and it, it goes on and on but 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 i think for business uh it, it's totally different I mean, look at what happened this year with the coronavirus, right? All of a sudden, yeah. businesses went from going up to zero in many cases. They it also works down. in the reverse. It also works in the reverse. <laughs> it does, because you just never know what can happen. You're in a digital space, which didn't get affected as Not much. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, the advertising revenue went down here in, in the United States a lot, and the companies pulled the budgets a little bit out uh, for for businesses like uh, restaurants, for example, yes. and and places physical where people stuff. physical, yeah. So those don't advertise as much anymore. Mm. So mm. we felt awesome. that, but but you can always create content and stuff. But imagine those people who dream about starting a restaurant. Yeah. Those people who start who want to totally start fuck, a, totally a, fuck. A, I had one guy, I had one guy on my podcast two weeks ago, like. I think like eight figures, nine figures in revenue, and he's in the hotel industry. And he, uh, I was like emailing before the podcast with him for a couple of emails, and he basically also said that revenue completely like, yeah. Yeah, and you have to adjust. Like for example, what happened uh, to me because I've been in business for eight years now with the magazine, and you know we were always known for that beauty, how we we help women to be perfect, you could say, right? In 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 some um subjective way you you know to say and it was all about how you can do your hair perfectly and your makeup and you find the best version of yourself and and it was just this beautiful image but you know the society has changed the past few years now women are actually 
appreciating more the realness and imperfections more than trying to be perfect. So I did a test on our social media where, you know, instead of posting another beautiful model that we just shot, I posted a photo of cellulite and how cellulite looks different in different lighting. And, and a woman, the same woman who has a perfect uh, ass and she looks great in one lighting and she looks not so great because all her cellulite shows in a different lighting. And that post got the most likes and the most right. comments and women because were really... Because it's real, because people are sick of all those facetune photos and... Uh... <laughs> right, right. So, so even if my business model was based on... Because when I was a model and I was doing makeup, women wanted to look like me. They wanted to present themselves and look pretty. They, they just simply wanted to feel beautiful. They always would come to me, make me look like a Victoria's Secret model, make me look like a guest model, you know? Yeah. So that's why I started the business on that business model or on that idea, because there was no magazine that really caters towards that beautiful, glamorous sex appeal that women always strive to achieve. You know, women still want to look like that, but the whole movement of embracing our imperfections is so strong now that even my magazine has to shift uh, directions a lot. Uh, we still want to keep the audience of the generation of people who still want to see what they want to see, but you have to add something that's going to bring you revenue now because people want to yes. put their advertising dollar behind something that that women relate to which is the realness now and and uh, plus size modeling and and women um you know who are different types than the than super skinny tiny of uh, uh, body types so you know every entrepreneur has to adapt and and change and that's where where your revenue is going to reflect too because people are going to Just because they advertise now doesn't mean they're gonna be with you advertise for, uh, forever. Forever, yeah. yeah. They, you know, they advertise uh, for a year, then they decide they stay or pull out, go somewhere else. And to keep these advertisers, or you could say clients, if you are in a different space, I'm talking about digital, because that's my my business. You know, to keep them happy, you know, it's, it's like it's it's a lot of work and 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 constant. Uh, analysis of your own business on weekly basis what works what doesn't how the society is changing what people want to hear now people want to be inspired by uh, people like me or you about uh, right you know years ago uh, that you would have podcast about maybe it would be about Truth. working out and supplements <laughs> you know? who knows True. so so my my business would be probably very different years ago. You know, I was also in fitness industry, and uh, I would have probably supplements. Who knows? You know, so and, so and, you and, gotta and, go with fun. And 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 I like what you've said about uh, experimentation because I also believe that either you are growing or you are dying. And um, I also like I, I'm at this point where um, we got a process to get new clients and we got a process to like uh, fulfill the service and and so on and so forth. We have a million processes for everything, but I'm still always thinking about because um, I, I I I tend to get lazy and I think okay like we got this amazing. Sales letter, it works, but I'm 
always adjusting the copy. I'm always testing different campaigns. I'm always trying to tap into new markets. We are always trying to sell uh, new services that we haven't sold before, and where we try to um, where we try to 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 gain market size like in a total different area. And I really believe that um, a lot of people, like you've said, they get uh, overconfident and they think that oh yeah, now I got everything worked out. And uh, to be honest, I have to say that at first I was also like that. I thought, okay, now I know everything. Like I'm a <laughs> genius and in my twenties. But 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 I think um, there's uh, I I am in the lucky position where I'm working with my young with my younger brother. He's just one year younger than me, and we are like doing everything together and like managing the whole company and so on and so forth. And he's like really like down to earth, like totally down to earth and he's like the numbers guy very very analytical i'm not analytical at all to be honest um when it comes down to financials and numbers and um he's always like okay okay like let, let's let's like like back up for a second and let, let's go through the numbers let's test more campaigns and um i think it's so so important like you've said to to always try to grow to always try to experiment because um like you said people get lazy people stop experimenting like you had with your with your um with your uh example with the cellulite where uh the real picture was like so so much better than like the edited version and i think like um if you want to have an edge in your industry you always have to be learning you always have to be growing you always have to test different angles try to adjust here your branding methods there try to sell to a different target audience gain all the cost uh, advertisers and so on and so forth so yes and do lots of surveys and and finding out what your customers want we've done it before a lot and we, we were surprised sometimes you know what they like what they don't like you know we gave them options of brands would you buy dior would you buy a vegan brand would you buy something in the middle blah 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 and sometimes you think you know your customers and and you realize they actually choose uh, something different you know because we sometimes we project our own um ways onto other people and we think you know people like you because of you and and everything that you are doing but they're actually sometimes uh would prefer something else they like something but then something they don't care about so you should replace it with what they care about mm-hmm. you know so Powerful. so lots of lots of these surveys and and just talking to the customers and i find uh, my for example my youtube channel in czech republic and slovakia is uh, very successful because uh, i have it with my girlfriend and we always analyze the comments what people are saying and and they are giving us their feedback and they are guiding us to what content to create you know and oh. and and we're growing so fast and we're we're doing so well and the media is picking up on it and stuff over there and it it just shows you because we listen you know good entrepreneur listens right he doesn't have an ego and i see ego all the time you know people people especially just, with men i would say especially yes <clears throat> excuse me yes especially with men they uh, they just don't want to listen because they want their way or they know everything but when i talk to some extremely wealthy entrepreneurs when i started a business and i was just still a, a model and i remember coming to this very successful man uh, with the brand you would know probably and i came up with an idea to work with him because i wanted to create a makeup line to go with the clothing line that he was selling it's a global brand 
And, you know, I am nobody at that point, but myself with the company. So I presented my idea to him. Uh, we didn't end up doing business. But what I learned from that experience is that because he's a good businessman, he took the meeting, he listened to me, he treated me with respect as a, uh, and took my proposal seriously. And he said, you know, I wouldn't be a good businessman if I didn't listen. Because sometimes when you talk to people, there can be just one tiny information that spikes up something within your idea that inspires you to change. And maybe he could have taken my idea and do it on his own, but he probably didn't care to do it. But somebody else would be, if I went to a woman, because he was a man, if it was a woman, she would be like, oh, that's a great idea. We should do that. Scratch me of the list, but do it on their own. You know, so you have to protect your ideas sometimes so people don't steal them. But, you know, what I learned again was that the good, real entrepreneurs listen to everybody. They don't dismiss you. Oh, you don't know anything. You're nobody. You know, they do listen and uh, either help you, guide you, or they just reject you in a nice way. You know. And then, and I think um, that what you've said is uh, amazing because I, I also totally agree with you on that because I also think that listening is so so important. I think we tend to um, try to force our product or our services onto the market instead of like listening to the market, listening to what uh, our customers want or our clients want or um, what other people say about our business. And we tend to be like too one si uh, one, one, one sided and, and want to do things our way. But if we would just adjust our like uh, on the way, like how we are marketing ourselves, or our products, um, we would like get way, way better results. So I also think that listening uh, is super, super important and listening to other people is also like super important um but what i would love to ask you like personally because you've um worked with so so many amazing companies and uh you've built up this huge huge uh amazing brand um what did you learn and i know this is, might be like very specific but um what did you learn like You've probably sold like advertisements for like deals for like over six, uh, seven figures for a year or something like that, like seven figure, big, big deals with big companies. Like what did you learn like selling those very, very big enterprise deals to companies? Um, what were like the key lessons that you've learned from like really like selling like huge advertising deals, not just like five figure or six figure deals, but but very huge deals? Well, what did I learn from that? <laughs> it, it, you know, my advice would be if you're a smaller company and you want to get these big advertisers, you, the best thing is for you to align yourself with another company that can pull you. Because no seven <laughs> figures, smart. well, no seven figures will come to a small uh, startup company. It usually yeah. doesn't work that way unless you know someone at the American Express unless you know someone at the Delta Airlines, Lufthansa, or, or anybody. I mean, these, these companies will not talk to you when you're small. So how do you go from being small and having small advertisers to jumping to these big advertisers? You know, they, they will only talk to agencies. So you have to have, like, representation and stuff like that. And what I learned to get access to these bigger advertisers is to 
become a part of a network. And my company is part of Penske Media. Penske Media is one of the biggest uh, media companies in the world. Uh, they have a variety magazine, Hollywood Life, you know, She Knows uh, website, huge, huge, huge billions of impressions and stuff. And you need to be a, a part of a network that can pull you and share. Where you leverage the, le the network, basically. Yes, because you add to their portfolio. You smart. add to their right. portfolio and, and they are able to share their revenue, their rates, because they get the best rates. You know, and, and, I would, and, and, and I are they charging you for, for that or how, how, how does, no, no, okay. no, no, they don't. Because what they do is they, let's say they have a network of, let's say, 100 companies like mine, because they're the top of the top, right? So now, <clears throat> excuse me, because I'm just, let me. So uh, what the way I help as a smaller company to this huge, the top of the top of companies is that when they combine all the partners of their network, traffic and impressions and unique visitors, um, because all of a sudden it's not just Penske Media themselves. All of a sudden they have plus 100 sites as, as I have websites. So now when you combine their uh, impressions with, the hundred of other sites that are in their network, when they come to American Express or any big advertisers, all of a sudden, instead of uh, having one billion of impressions, they have their whole network has, I don't know, let's say 10 billion impressions. And all of a sudden they can get higher rates. And uh, American Express now wants to work with people like that or companies like that, because now it's not a 90 cents uh, uh, rate is all of a sudden $15, let's say, mm -hmm. CPM. So, so it's very beneficial for both sides because all of a sudden I have access to the top of the rates, which I wouldn't get as a publisher because I am not Penske Media. I'm mm -hmm. successful on my own, but obviously I can't get those rates because I'm not as humongous as this company that's established for the past 100 years or 60 years or whatever they've been around. I'm still, compared to them, very new. So they, we, I am adding traffic to them, which helps them to negotiate better rates and get even more money, which they can share with you know, publishers as me, for example. And I have all of a sudden much better rates, even if they split the revenue of let's say fifteen dollars between them and me, I'm still getting higher getting better rates. rate yeah. than if I went on my own to American Express. And 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 besides like over delivering and wowing your clients, um what did you learn about like with very, very prestigious clients, working with very prestigious clients, the top of the top? Um what did you learn about relationships, building relationships, maintaining relationships, um, exceeding expectations on yeah, the relationship side with, with, with those type of customers. Could you please also speak to that? You know, it is a very special skill I find people have to have to maintain yep. good relationships and build them. You have to be extremely likable, at least here, because it is such... I, I find American business be a little bit different than European in general, if I could generalize mm -hmm. for a moment, uh, because there is no ego like I see in Europe a, a lot. <laughs> you know, 
like probably when especially you are in, in Germany. Well, <laughs> I think kidding. it's I, I well, I think it's everywhere, and I don't mean any insult, obviously, to anyone, but it is truly my experience, where it's almost you are expected to be arrogant and egocentric to fit in and rub the shoulders with these people. Whereas here, my experience is you have to be humble, you have to be professional, and you have to really have a great product and you have to add value to these people. If they don't see a value in you or you stop having a value, they're not going to work with you or they're not going to continue to work with you. And it is a constant work. If you are not the type of a person yourself who is very um, likable, like, honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm a very, I'm not an introvert. You are likable, that's bullshit. No, 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 no. When, it, when it comes to business. You are inspiring other people. You are super, super positive. So <laughs> that's, that's different. That's different. But when you when you are dealing with other CEOs and you're dealing with these humongous companies, trust me, I find myself sitting there and being still, still not being on their level. And you just have to be on their level to, to stick with them. So the best thing for a, a person or entrepreneur like me is to hire someone who is on that level or can work for you to represent your company who can make those deals, who can throw those parties on your behalf, who can uh, go to those parties on your behalf, who can send those Christmas cards on your behalf, who can send those emails. Like I have my right hand, who's an American girl, because I find her having much better ways of communicating with uh, advertisers and, and uh, clients that we work with than me, because obviously my English is great, but it's not still 100, 100%, or there are certain things I would say differently than they would say, yes. uh, and and just the tone is different. And when you deal with those top of the top, it's better to have, in my case, an American We're person. We're doing exactly the same. We're also having a, 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 an American guy going through all my emails because I think I'm fluent in English, but I clearly know that I'm not like a native speaker. So uh, yes. everything is. And that's okay. And you know yeah. what? This is one of those things where I think people can take something from it instead of getting discouraged. Oh my gosh, I can't speak perfect English. I can't do business because I've gone through that phase. I'm like, you know, how can I run a media company when it's all about writing and I can't even write 100% in English? So you you just thinking, am I just a dreamer? And you start yeah. doubting yourself. But no, I learned from very successful people who are billionaires that they lots of times don't know shit. You know, <laughs> they, they don't know what you think they know. They just have good people. They are good at selecting people. And I think that's that's a skill to have. If you don't know something, it's fine. Yes. You don't have to. And you shouldn't know everything. You don't have to. You just have to be good at picking right people for that position who are going yes. to represent your company. Yes. And then your job as a successful entrepreneur is to keep those people happy. So you need to create your own network of people that are going to represent you perfectly. And all you need to do is keep them happy. You take them on a company trip. You take you you invite them and their family uh, to some events. You know you just treat those managers, let's call them, that work for you, that represent your company out there for you. You treat them very well, so they stick with you. And then it's their job to go out there and hustle 
and go to these big advertisers right. and rub their shoulders with them because I am not that person and it's okay. You just have to find people who will represent you. And my job is to keep that guy who represents me happy and, and may, uh, make sure he gets his bonus and make sure he goes on a trip and his kids <laughs> are taken care of if you get to that point, right? So, uh, so that's, you need to know your strength. Uh, every, uh, every entrepreneur has his weaknesses. The, the difference is they know which ones they are, they recognize them, uh, and they just fill them with different people. So, so they, are, they don't have shortcomings. I, I really love what you're saying. And I think um, for everyone who's listening to this, um, this is so, so important because I think a lot of uh, gurus on social media, quote unquote, say to, to especially the young people, it's all about like getting new skills and learning new skills and earning new skills. And I think that it's great if you're learning new skills and if you're acquiring new skills. But um, when you eventually get to the point where you have leverage, where you have money to employ, other people and when you have money to scale and to build a company and create a company culture what you quickly realize is that your your job isn't really like doing like all the things like the fulfillment of your service or um like buying media you can hire this you can outsource this to to, to other people and um what i really think um what everyone should do when 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 you are starting out and you are a one-man shop okay obviously you have to do everything but as you are scaling up um i think it's so important to only focus on where your gifts are and and where your talents like for instance like i'm only doing the podcast and i'm only like changing like the sales messages and and, and our advertising campaigns our our email campaigns how, how we are getting clients but but most of all my work nowadays is just like refining the processes like today um, i was like on my phone for over an hour with my brother talking about company culture how we should like um screen people for to 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 get new employees like you you would think about totally different things so i think um it's so important instead of like working in the business Business on the time you should think about okay working on the business working on the strategy working on the processes and um, yeah like that uh, I always tend to to say to people like if you are like try to improve your weaknesses what you will end up is like having strong weaknesses so um, yes. you should like really focus on and, and doubling down on what you're good at and I think that's that's one of the reasons why so many businesses fail early on because uh, they end up working inside the business instead of on top of the business. And because yeah. uh, you just end up running like on a treadmill trying to yeah. fulfill every spot. And yeah. yes, you have to do it Get at the beginning. Clients, doing the fulfillment, yes. doing everything and, and, on your and own. It's good, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's good to understand at least some of it uh, from every area because at the end it's your sure. business. So, so you have to understand some of it, but you don't need to know your job once you get to that point where you can hire people is really to work on yourself as a as a as a leader someone who can lead people and motivate them and you end up working on top of people uh, and you end up managing uh, happy people who will help you and your business to succeed because that's that's you know I ended up hiring people I got to the point where I was able to hire people. We got an office and everything was fine. But then I realized I'm not a good leader because these people were taking advantage of me. They weren't performing 
uh, nearly as good as they should. And I didn't even know how to how to uh, address it. And I just realized I'm such a shitty uh, CEO because all of a sudden I need to tell my employee who I'm paying that they are not doing a good job and I need to assign tests. And I felt really insecure to tell them that I didn't know how to say it without uh, having them being pissed off or having uh, said something that they would sue me for. And I just realized, oh my gosh, okay, I have the money now and I'm paying people, but all these people are taking advantage of me completely. I'm I can relate to this. <laughs> I'm sure many people can. I'm wasting so much money. And at the end, I have to, I had to let everyone go except a couple of people anyway, because, you know, the money's gone. It's not coming back. These people just completely took advantage and they d didn't even respect me as a, as a business owner. So it doesn't matter you have your own office with a CEO tag on it. <laughs> if people don't respect you as a leader and don't look up to you, you're, yeah. they won't help you to your business succeed. They'll just come. They pretend they're working on the computer yeah. while they are probably working on their side project on your clock. And when you walk in, hi you know big smile <laughs> yeah. so 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 i think many people underestimate the time they need to invest into themselves as a leader as a ceo as an entrepreneur to be a good boss and and i and i've seen it before and i experienced it myself and i'm really now when i scaled and i have tighter team i work so much on myself to you know how to motivate people how to really take care of uh, those i appreciate uh, because th then those people come back even at their free time and and i can see a huge difference in how much they care about my business because they want to see it succeed i didn't see it before when i was a terrible leader and i didn't my business was just taking advantage of left and right by so many people and i I just didn't see it and I didn't know how to fix it because I just had no communication skills as a, as a boss. And because you, I was so busy working inside the business doing photo shoots and makeup yeah. and everything mm -hmm. I had to, that you just forget at some point the you're going to have to... The culture. The, vision, the culture of the company, exactly. So, so that's something people really need to to learn to to build healthy co company culture and it starts with you and you you have to be the example of it and and everything else gonna evolve from you so into you whatever it takes say if you don't have good people skills take a course do challenge yourself with different tasks i was fearing public speaking like i'm one of those people i had a speech problem growing up and the kids would make fun of me so I would always feel you know like I don't want to speak basically anywhere and even though I got rid of that speech problem I it still stayed with me encoded like I am fearful of speaking in front of crowds but you know what I put myself in front of hundreds of people and I just wanted to do it to overcome that because I knew I have to at some point speak if I want to be successful you know and and I did that and and it's not easy you tremble you know you shake but if you really want something you will do it otherwise you probably don't want it bad enough if you're not willing to challenge yourself 
to improve yourself in every area as an entrepreneur. So uh, at the end, I always ask five quick questions. But um, before I ask those five quick questions, um, um, I would love to personally hear you speak um, about the biggest lessons you had on leadership because I'm at the moment super, super obsessed about leadership, company culture and stuff like that. Like the biggest lessons you've learned on, on, on that. And um, what would you tell to everyone who's listening to this on business, entrepreneurship, success? Like what would be your best advice to everyone who is listening to this on, 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 on those things? I think it would be to really care about others and not yourself. Don't care about, oh, I want to be a millionaire. I'm doing this to make money. I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. Because then you really don't see the big picture. I think when you have a business, it's to serve to people, right? Whatever it is. Whether it's information, whether you're trying to be inspirational. Uh, it, it should be always what you are trying to contribute to the society. How are you trying to help people that should be your main objective and money will always follow if you're doing it the other way around oh I, i'm just doing business because i want to be rich uh it usually <laughs> does it doesn't work because even when i talk to the most successful people in my life i saw it i saw that passion in them it wasn't the money it was i want to build this arena for for fans i want to you know, do this for people. And I want to make impact make, lives, yeah. impact lives. You know, I want to start this and that. So it was always this big vision that they want to do something for people, even though it might not seem sometimes like that. Uh, trust me, when if you ask many of these very successful people that we know, when they go back, to uh, the objective why they started it was to serve people and even now you know what keeps me uh, keeps my ego out is always remembering like am i helping people am i providing service to them what's the response um and it's always them and that's why you know i see success and because people are responding to it because it's not about me it's about them the customers it's it's about the the people who are basically your clientele so to me that would be probably the biggest lesson make your business about the people and 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 the customers not about yourself and you know we know there's lots of greedy people and you know, it's it's usually not the fun fun uh, journey. So if you want to do it the right way, uh, make it about people. So um, <clears throat> where can people connect with you on the social webs, uh, work with you and so on and so forth? So check out uh, vivaglammagazine.com. Check out fashionizers.com. Check out uh, my social media, which is katerinavanderham.com uh, I have everything from Facebook, Twitter which uh, for Facebook it's uh, um, of, gosh, what's my Facebook? Katerina Vanderham page because I had two and I merged them so I tried to remember quickly Katerina Vanderham page uh, my Instagram is Katerina Vanderham and you spell Katerina the same way Germany spells uh, Katerina oh, okay. cool. uh, yeah, Katarina and then, uh, you know, Twitter is Kay Vanderham. Um, you know, if you just Google me, I'm searchable. So just Google Katerina Vanderham and it will sh show you all the results. It's probably the easiest way. Yes. Got it. 
So uh, the first out of the five question is, um, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Three books. The greatest influence, it was, uh, one of them was a financial book by Susan Orms, I think. Gosh, I'm trying to remember her name. She's very famous in America. And uh, she teaches people about how to manage money. Because I grew up in a socialistic uh, system, we never had money, we never learned to manage money because we never had enough. So you just live paycheck to paycheck. And when you, you know, at some point I realized, like, I don't know how to manage my money and forget about having a business, right? So that book helped me a lot to learn how to manage money, which I think should be taught in schools, to be honest with you. Uh, Second book would be... um, uh the, the guy from gosh sorry because you put me in the spot with these names now real quickly um from kiss band kiss uh, what's uh, what's the uh, bass player from kiss uh, gene simmons uh, oh, okay mm-hmm. gene simmons has a book about him and his uh, uh entrepreneurship he is talking about how he built his brand and it's very interesting because i like rock and roll so i always follow these People And he's a very successful businessman besides being a successful musician, someone who also immigrated. And, um, you know, his insights are very, very interesting. So definitely that would be another one. Um, and can I, su- can I can I switch the book for, for some somebody actually instead of a book? Yes. Okay. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of Dieter Bolen. And he's so popular in Germany, like everybody knows him here. Listen, I am, I have to give him lots of credit for my skills because I think he's a genius businessman and I've been following his marketing strategies since the 80s. Um, seriously, I, I listened to him from the very beginning. So funny, I love this. <laughs> I know, and it, sound, it might seem, sound like a little corny to you, especially Germans, I know half of you don't even like him, but he's such a <laughs> brilliant marketer. And you know, I'm in marketing, I love marketing, and I've always uh, followed what he was doing and I applied it in my life. And uh, I just find him very, very good role model for marketing and business. So because I'm in arts also, yeah. he's in arts. So it works for me, for my type of a business. So Dieter Bolan is a huge, huge. How, how, is, how, how did you come to know him? Because um, I didn't know that, that people like in the U.S. know Dieter Bolan, to be well, honest. Well, I grew so. up in Slovakia. I grew up in ah, Slovakia. I grew yeah. up with Mother Same. Talking and Thomas Anders ah. and all the German music and I still follow him and I got to go to Berlin last year uh, to his concert and I got to meet him and, uh, you know, I love Berlin and I love, Ger- I grew up with German TV, to be honest with you. I watched <laughs> more German TV than Slovak TV. So all your German TV stations, magazines, everything you guys had in the 80s and 90s, I was a sucker of all that. And and Dieter Bolland's been my number one, number one <laughs> I love this person in my life. I could say I know it's it's funny to some of you, but I just love him, and I'm very um, honored to be in his uh, three-hour special on RTL. They came out in December. 
Um, you know that crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, I think he is a brilliant, fantastic guy, but he's like super controversial. So a lot of people don't like him here, but but I think he's funny. So. <laughs> but you know, I am I am also very controversial back home, and I think that's why uh, I relate to him because I I find myself being in in deep waters sometimes, like he does. <laughs> so, but you know, what I take from him is. Uh, his attitude towards life and how he lives his life and how he bases his business and what he does and the marketing strategies and stuff. And I love his music, you know, I, I really do. So I'm a huge fan. And uh, like I said, I'm just happy to be in his RTL DVD special, uh, Absolute Dita, uh, because I was at the concert and, and they interviewed me for it. So it was, it was, it was very cool. Yeah. So I would, I would say, I always want to read his books but they are in German, only in German, and <laughs> I don't speak German. German no. I know. Please tell him to translate it to English. Very We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> so, uh, third question. Um, ah, second question. <laughs> what is the most? Uh, what is the? What are the three movies? The three movies that you have enjoyed the most. Three movies that you have enjoyed the most. So I definitely have more movies, but the three that come to my mind is, for example, Titanic oh, yeah. from uh, 1997. Great movie. Great movie. Lots to take from it. Um, I also love Blood Diamond because uh, based on a true story, I love dramas and movies based on the true stories where they expose stuff, you know, that you wouldn't know probably about. So Blood Diamond and, you know, then there's so many from uh, Count of Monte Cristo because I like history. Um, uh, you know, the movie about Facebook. What is it called? About Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, I, everyone, I, I can't recall the name, but it's very popular. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, because it talks about the beginning of social media. I mean, there's so many movies like seriously, like anything from Matrix, uh, Artificial Intelligence, The Island. Uh, of course, I like also the action movies from the 80s and the 90s. Um, but, you know, I always like those either about the future, because I like technology and I like evolution, or then the past, which is the history, you know. So so it's a very interesting. I live in between those two worlds, kind of. <laughs> I got it. Third question, uh, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Service or product, uh, the most useful in the recent time, well, we're stuck in the house the whole year because we're quarantined. So it would be a massage when they came to my house because <laughs> it was so much needed. But uh, I'm trying to think something that could be actually helpful to your viewers and listeners. Um, Any tools, maybe marketing tools, business tools, productivity tools that come to mind. But people also mentioned like stuff like Uber Eats. So, <laughs> so yeah. <clears throat> service or, or product, um, you know, besides my lights that I just bought for the studio. Um, gosh, people I, I also mentioned like kitchen gadgets. Um, people mentioned like so so many different things. So many different things. Um, I've you know, like 
like I've been using all these products anyway for years, you know, like because we have access to everything. I order food. I, I get car rental all the time. But, um, you know, one tool maybe that would be helpful because I got inspired because of the quarantine is that I noticed many companies and people are doing online courses. And there is a company which I don't recall quickly enough now, but it's, it's, a, it's a platform where you can sign up and you can basically start your own online course. And it's really... Uh, I think it's, it's Udemy. Udemy or uh, Coursera. Udemy or Coursera. They're like two big... Maybe the first one, but maybe it's a yeah. third one. I won't recall, but basically coming across this opportunity now to start your own online course, I think it's very good because that inspired me to actually start an online beauty course for women for the magazine. Because, you know, you have all the YouTube stuff, you have all the videos and stuff, but to talking about expansion of the business, as you were talking before, I think adding an online course, uh, is, is another way of uh, increase your revenue and, and expand the company. So just coming across that platform, I thought was very cool and gave me an idea. And I think many people who are listening or watching, if they have a special skill, they can probably consider starting their own online course where people pay and they can start their own business that way. They don't need much for it, you know? Yeah. Fantastic idea. I also deeply believe that um, if you got something to share with the world, if you can provide value, if you have expertise, you can bundle that up, create a course and sell it for a couple hundred dollars. Even I know people who charge like 1K, 2K for their courses. So uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of money to be made and you can definitely uh, impact lives. So um, the fourth question before we get into the last question is uh, what are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years um some guests shared something like deeply personal about their family lives relationships their company travel so speak about anything you feel comfortable sharing with us most important revelations you mean like during the quarantine and stuff or uh, just in general in the last couple of years last couple of years it, it, it could be related to anything most important but, revelations when it comes down to life and business. So, You know, uh, it made me realize that you lose lots of friends, you know. Um, I've always been a people person where I liked having lots of friends, girlfriends and stuff. And having a business uh, made me really realize how, you know, you just have to get used to losing people in life and even though people sometimes say hey you know they weren't true friends let's say if if they abandoned you because all of a sudden you're successful your business is growing all of a sudden you buy a house you have things and I've always been so naive thinking you know these people will stick with you and love you and you're gonna enjoy whatever you accomplish with them but the truth is that um you know you just realize all of a sudden how people change their perception at some point and start treating you differently and you find yourself in a lonely place lots of times and you really have to start guarding yourself because people start feeling entitled to your success. They start feeling entitled to your uh, money 
and 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 you just will have to close in a little bit and that's that's what you know it's still hard for me to accept a little bit because you know I don't feel like I'm so out there anymore because I I feel like I can and I I have to really uh, keep this in the circle close but that makes me appreciate my family more you know that makes me appreciate uh, the few people that I have in my life that truly care about me um, much more and that's something that comes to my mind probably real quickly right now so uh, the last question for the day is what would you tell your 20 year old self ah uh, I get that question a lot. What what would I tell to younger self? You know, it changes, right? Depending when I am in life, where I am in life, it changes. But you know, it depends on my hormones too. <laughs> what I would tell myself. <laughs> but you know, it's always just like go go with your gut. You know, like uh, many times I I didn't believe my gut feeling. You know, although I had a feeling about someone don't do it don't work with these people and i still did because and i still did because i see the money or i see something Mm. you know connections and it didn't go anywhere and it was a bad choice you know like we get blinded easily so uh i feel like i was right so many times but i didn't trust my gut uh and it was a mistake it was a mistake. So I would tell myself, just really trust your gut feeling and go with it and, and, and believe in yourself, obviously more, you know, trust yourself, be more confident and um, just, and don't bleach your hair so much. Because when I was 20, I really, over, <laughs> I really overprocessed my hair so much that I looked very trashy. And and I wish I didn't because I think I would look better, more natural than so trashy. So I think that's, that's something on a side of business, you know. Don't overprocess <laughs> your hair so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kat, uh, thank you so so much for for this podcast. Um, I think you are such an inspiring and motivating and a positive person. And um, yeah, I think our listeners got so much so much value out of this. This, this has been like a business masterclass for the past two hours. So, uh, <laughs> I love thank it. you so too much bad, for being so generous. Bad. No, no, thank you so much. It was absolute pleasure and. A time flies. I don't even know how. And I wish I could sit here with you and talk for another two hours. But nothing, <laughs> but nothing lasts forever, as we know. And that's why people, I think, should always enjoy the ride. And while it lasts, because we never know what uh, life throws at us. And enjoy it while it lasts, because nothing lasts forever. I thank you so much for having me on your amazing podcast. I wish you nothing but the best, lots of success, and very little ego. Katharina, have have a good day. See ya. Bye bye. Tschüss.